Welcome back. This is episode four of Las Matamaridos. When the duo felt up to it again, they returned to the site of the now burned down church. Nothing remained of the once modest and peaceful house of worship. The women sifted through the rubble and ash, retrieving half-burned, half-destroyed mementos to take back with them to the safe house. But there was absolutely nothing left. Even the basic floor plan had been destroyed. So many happy and joyful years now banished to a sequence of nightmares. Neither asked the other what was next or what they were going to do. They methodically looked through the rubble and gathered what they needed and concentrated only on that one task. Luz facing the east and Cielo the west and directed themselves in the manner they did when they used to pray. But they no longer prayed. Luz no longer sought out the guidance of the Almighty. She no longer sent subliminal blessings to her family members that no longer existed to her. There was no family anymore. They were all murderers, every last one of them. In the same manner, Cielo refused to look up at the sky, for she knew God was no longer listening, and there would be no place for her in the kingdom of heaven. Not for what she had planned. Anger hazed her. When she inhaled, she took in all her hatred, her anger, and her disgust. And when she exhaled, she released the last parts of herself that had been pure. Angrier and angrier, she walked over to her satchel and pulled out her blade, then headed over to Luz and yanked her left hand. Not once did Luz jerk back in surprise or question Cielo, who at first glance appeared as if she were going to end both their lives. Luz was calm and willing, offering no resistance, trusting her friend completely, as she always had and forever would. Cielo took the blade, slashing the palm and bicep of her right hand, and then did the same to Luz, but on the left. Then she placed her palm on Luz's bicep, and Luz did the same to her, as Cielo chanted, Tu sangre, mi sangre, nuestra sangre, todo lo que era, nunca más será. Each woman squeezing the other with all of her strength, as if the blood pouring from their wounds were the last drops of who they were, and the fresh blood that poured into them now gifted them with a destiny they would follow till that very blood ceased to pump through their veins. Luz and Cielo remained at the church till the sun set. They shed their last tears of self-pity and shame, leaving behind their innocence as they held each other and sobbed, their bodies shaking from reliving the carnage of their beings and they held on till the demons found a temporary peace. And then they planned. Within a few short months, a new building stood where El Santo Sagrado de la Milagrosa had been. Transformed into what they were counting on would be a bustling brothel filled with nightly show-stopping entertainment and the most beautiful women ever seen by male eyes. Not a single ounce of it resembled the church that had once stood there. The women in Filemon had put all their sweat, strength, and life force into making it the entity that stood there now. They named it El Oscurito. 
The women themselves had taken on to an altering of their appearance as well. Makeup was their war paint. Neither had worn it before, but that was the point. They set out to be the complete antithesis of who they used to be. Loose, favored, more provocative styles of dress. Tight garments that hugged her lithe body like a second skin. She chose bright, loud, and bold colors to stand out, or she had once been too shy to even wear a hem higher than her shins. Cielo, on the other hand, clothed herself in nothing but black, deciding that color symbolized a type of hopelessness that now lived in her. Both women picked up drinking, smoking, and did it all in excess, or so the illusion was for one to think, conveying drunken debauchery and shameless behavior. Grateful that the nuns had taught them more than prayer and worshipped, they also taught them fighting and survival skills, that on more than one occasion had the duo wondering exactly who these women were before they took their sacred vows. The prayer resumed the ritual of melting and manipulating metal to make blades. They woke up at dawn and began the process that would easily consume half the day, and by dawn the next morning, the metal would be cooled and stocked away. They both agreed that until revenue began to flow through the club, their only source of protection would be those blades. So they practiced night and day, rain or shine, in all conditions and climates. Philemon had devised for them several obstacle courses. They would build them up, run through them again and again till they knew it blindfolded, and bring it down and put a new one up in its place. Luz and Cielo ate, drank, slept, and breathed revenge. It drove them to pull the blankets off the bed every day and not drown in the abyss of their pain. They were preparing for the war that was about to begin. Thank you for listening to episode four of Las Matamaridos. Please stay tuned for the grand opening of the El Obscurito in episode five. Welcome back. You are listening to the Matamaridos podcast and this is episode five. On the eve of the opening night at the club, the women headed into town. Now proficient in the ability to walk around unnoticed, they entered the nearest cantina. Cielo and Luz smoked, drank, and played cards well into the early hours making sure they were loud and caused a ruckus, trying to carry on like a true pair of borrachas. When the mariachi came in, they sang. If a patron ordered a round of drinks, they invited him to join them. They kept the men drunk, talking, singing, and playing, knowing that eventually the time would come when a borracho, like the one sitting across from them, would give out information they were supposed to keep quiet. It was how they learned that a cargo of product was going to be heading into town. It was a shipment with no definite owner, at least not until the last man was standing. Ordering a new bottle of tequila and serving the borracho doubles, they came to learn that since the wedding incident, both families had launched into a full-fledged feud. Each clan blamed the other for what had happened. The loss of their sons was too much for Bernardo Montoya and Sabino Sanabria to take and had sworn revenge. The pair discovered that Bernardo had lynched Amelio Sanabria and hung him in the town square. And Sabino Sanabria, upon hearing the death of his beloved son, walked up to Sebastián Montoya and shot him point-blank in the head in the middle of the day. 
neither woman flinched or blinked an eye at the news that their fathers had been murdered. Luz, so clouded with hate, chuckled and downed the entire bottle of tequila, letting it spill from the sides of her mouth, and Cielo could only be sorry she hadn't been there to see her father's murder for herself to dance on the grave of the man who had sold her to acquire an empire. Eventually, through the course of the late night, the women became so seemingly intoxicated that they were booted from the cantina. In true fashion, they pretended to pass out around the corner of the bar, breaking into slurred words when questioned by passerbys. Unknown to the casual observer, it was the perfect vantage point to the center of the square where the shipment would be coming through. They waited, ignoring the cold and the aches and the cramps from staying in the same spot for hours. At sunrise, they could hear an engine in the distance and took the chance that it was the cargo heading their way. Just as they'd previously discussed at length, Luz would sneak off and get into the truck as close as she could without being seen. Cielo headed off to where she knew the Sanabrias would be waiting. Hiding behind a haystack, she saw the figure of one of them urinating in the stack in front of her. She looked to the heavens and sent a silent thank you to Sister Magdalena, an inch closer and closer, till she smelled the scent of livestock and manure that clung to the clothing of the man in front of her. She withdrew her blade, crawled on her hands and knees until she reached him, and in a swift, violent motion, slid the blade deep in his thigh, instantly puncturing an artery. Cielo twisted the knife through his screams, knowing she had to be fast because the others would be there soon. She got up, faced him, and sliced his neck from end to end, watching as the blood poured out of the wound. She offered this as a sacrifice to Sister Magdalena and the rest of the nuns, thinking of them as the life left his body. When he fell, she kicked him repeatedly in anger, wanting him to slash him further from end to end, but hearing the footsteps approaching, Cielo knew she needed to get away quickly, but couldn't resist looking back at him one last time to peruse what she had just done. Her gaze landed on the gold band on his finger. Impulsively, she bent down and removed his wedding ring, tucking it into her boot before running off to the meeting spot to wait for Luz. Meanwhile, Luz made it as far away from the town square as she could in order to still be able to hear the engine running from the truck. Looking around, she saw no one was in sight and the area was completely empty. The headlights on the truck came into view and grew brighter as it got closer. Luz stepped to the center of the highway and began undoing the buttons of her shirt, confident that the driver had a good view of her. Each button exposed more and more of her porcelain skin until there was nothing left to undo and she let the sides of the garment gape open to reveal that she was completely naked underneath. The rambling truck stopped dead center with only a few feet between her and the grill. The driver turned off his headlights but not before flashing her with him, signaling that it was okay for her to join him. Luce took a deep breath and slowly exhaled as she walked towards the passenger side of the truck. Opening the truck, she instantly recognized the driver. It was one of her cousins. She didn't remember too much about him in that moment and in that instant, but it hardly mattered. 
She shook it off, and she lifted her body upwards and hopped into the truck, bringing the tips of her breasts practically up to his lips. The driver didn't hesitate in the least, instantly moving forward to place his mouth on her flesh. In that moment, Luce took a blade, disguised as a hairpiece from her bun, and thrust it into his heart. Paralyzed with his mouth open, she pushed it in deeper and rotated it, killing him instantly. In a moment of pure anger, she withdrew the blade and dug it into his groin, pushing down on the knife with so much force that she felt the point pierce through the upholstery. She sat back and took a moment to compose herself. She stared into the dark morning. She had intended on shoving him out of the driver's side and leaving him there, and that's when she noticed that his hands were still on the steering wheel. In the gleam of the descending moonlight, she saw his wedding band. Instantly feeling a revulsion that threatened to have her vomiting out of the side of the car, she forced herself to swallow it down and reached for his hand to remove the ring and placed it in her shirt pocket. She reached over to open the door and push him out of the car, scooting over to sit in the driver's side and drive away. Luz decided to take the back roads to their meeting spot because she knew that daylight was near and they would be discovered. Reaching the dune from the opposite end, she saw a surprised look on Cielo's face and she half smiled, in a way of letting her friend know that she was okay. Silently, they both went to the back of the truck to inspect the merchandise. Both women were taken aback when upon opening the truck, they saw an arsenal of weapons and not the drugs they were expecting. It's better this way, Cielo said. We're going to need to collect these anyway, and it's cheaper than buying. Luz agreed. They waited for Filemon to pick them up. Ten minutes later, he pulled up alongside the truck as Cielo opened the back. Wordlessly, they transferred the guns from the truck to the van. Once loaded, Filemon and Cielo drove off in one direction, and Luz got back in the truck and went in another. She drove it dangerously near the Sanabria territory and left it with the engine running, and she hopped out and ran as fast as she could back to the hideout. That was episode five. Stay tuned for our last episode, episode six, where we find out what is in store for the women, what they have planned, and where we go from here. Thank you for listening. I'm Arlene Sanabria. See you next time.